Hey friends, this is Ellen here to set up a really special episode for y'all. So usually Christian and I each pick an animal species to rate and review for you beautiful folks. However, this week we did things a little differently. We're joined this episode by wildlife expert Corbin Maxey, the creator and host of the Animals to the Max podcast. And he joined us to review the Burmese python. This was really exciting for us because it was our first ever guest expert, and it was so much fun to do. So without further ado, enjoy. Well, we are here with our new friend, Corbin Maxey, the reptile guy. Say hello, Corbin. Hey, how's it going? Thank you so much for having me on the show. Thank you so much for being here. I am so excited. I'm maybe only just the tiniest bit starstruck, just a little bit. Are you serious? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe just a little bit. I am honored. I'm a huge fan of the show, and I'm honored that I was your first guest. And at first, I was flattered that I thought, wait, was I like your first choice or maybe the first person that responded? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, a little column A, a little column B. Maybe you're our <laughs> guinea pig just a little bit. <laughs> no, I'm so excited. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, yay. Thank you so much. Yeah, I say starstruck because I remember back like a few years ago watching all of your videos appearing as the reptile guy on, you know, all the big TV shows on on Jay Leno and on the Today Show. Why, Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you've been up to? Yeah, yeah. And it's so funny you're referring to me as the reptile guy. I don't go by that anymore, but that's fine. It's like taking me back to my roots. Uh, I was the <laughs> reptile guy. Now I've had to broaden my horizons because, you know, when you go on these national shows like the Today Show or Late Night or the Tonight Show, they like the, you know, the furry and, and feathered friends. So but I, I do all, you know, a variety of different animals. But I'm Corbin and I grew up in the mountains of southern Idaho in Roby Creek. Do you guys know where that is? Oh my gosh, no, I yeah, don't. I'm no. sorry. <laughs> no one knows, even here. Like, even in town, they're like, wait, where's that? Like, I grew up in the middle of nowhere. I didn't, you know, and I always tell people, it was like me, my sister, my mom, and my dad. And I grew up in a cabin in the middle of the woods. And oh, so, right? And so, when most people had friends, like, I didn't have any friends. I didn't really like my sister. So, I was like always out <laughs> catching, you know, snakes and frogs and toads and salamanders, where I really developed passion. And then uh, we moved into town, thank goodness, because I think when I was around 12, my parents wanted us to kind of live a little normal. And uh, (laughs) I started a reptile rescue. I rescued a ball python. His name is Reggie. And I still have that ball python to this day, which is insane. He must be like at least 25, 26 years old, which is really old for a ball python. Um, But I was like, wow, you know, I had, you know, that ball python at the age of 14. I had over 60 different exotic animals living in my parents' bonus room. So I had an alligator. I had, uh, (laughs) you know, iguanas, right? Tortoises. (laughs) I even had, this is not a reptile. I even had a piranha. I am secondhand stressed right now (laughs) for your family. Right. God bless my family. Now, mind you, none of the animals are my parents' bonus room anymore. But so basically, I had this reptile reserve I had started. And if you're wondering, like, well, where do these animals come from? They were all really unwanted pets. So people would get pythons that got too big, iguanas that got too aggressive, tortoises that outgrew their enclosures. They would just 
basically come to me. And so I love talking, as you can tell. And so I would just beg. I remember I begged actually the local daycare I was going to or the, or the local day camp. Can I please come and do a reptile show? And I was like, you know, 12 or so and had all these animals and I would just beg local daycares and I loved talking and um, I never, you know, saw myself on TV. I didn't grow up being like, oh, I want to be like the crocodile hunter. I just knew I wanted to work with animals. And my mom came across a talent scout audition for the tonight show with Jay Leno. Uh, they were looking for weird teenagers. <laughs> right isn't that and the, you know and the ironies i didn't even know she submitted me they're looking for teenagers that were weird or had, had unusual talents and, and that she was sub- the birth of a brand yeah that was it <laughs> and i uh and i'll tell you what she submitted me and thank god she did they the producers called me a week later i thought it was a joke and i was like wait what the tonight show and they said you know we're really not looking we really don't think that you're going to be good for this weird teenager spot because they were looking for teenagers like to do, do like a segment together. They said, we want to give you a second guest spot behind a celebrity. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, just on cloud nine. And so I got a spot on the tonight show at 14 years old. That was a second guest. And that's when I was like, Oh my gosh, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. You know, that's so funny because I think that was one of the ones that I watched, um, like way back a few, it was back a few years ago when I was probably a teenager and it was one of the videos of of you when you were a teenager and I, it was very relatable to me at the time because I was like, this looks so amazing. I was, it was really inspirational to me because I felt like, oh, I'm a teenager that loves animals. This is a teenager that loves animals. It's like making a career out of being a teenager who loves animals. This is (laughs) awesome. Yeah. And I didn't even know it would be a thing. I thought it would be a one and done shot. And then Jay was like, will you come back? And I'm like, heck yeah, I'll come back. <laughs> nice. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I literally did not go into it thinking that this is going to be what I wanted to do. But I literally, I know this sounds so cheesy, but I remember that moment that the, the cameras had turned off, the lights had kind of dimmed. I could see the studio audience. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I want to do, you know, for the rest of my life. But it wasn't as easy as, you know, it was like, oh, great. You know, I jumped into a very competitive career. I think from that first Tonight Show appearance, it took me three and a half years to get back on the show. So um, a lot of hard work and it wasn't, it hasn't been easy, but it's been a pretty, um, yeah, it's been a very interesting ride. But it's such a blend of skills, right? Having media presence skills and also legitimate wildlife knowledge. Thank you. it's like such a niche it's like you have to be good at both right yeah and i had never been on tv before i think i did one little segment before but i had never been on tv so i don't think i've ever been more nervous in my life but (laughs) i mean i think honestly when it just i when it i don't know it just felt like magic it felt so natural to me i don't know i don't know how i don't know how, how else to explain it well, I, it, it seems like you, you really found your calling. That's a very good, because uh, it's it's both, you, you have like a, a natural energy and charisma, but also that background of like a passion for animals. So it's kind of, there's kind of no better way to let that shine through. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Oh, and then really quick, I want to say, so I didn't just do the, the uh, Tonight Show. I knew like, you know, pursuing my education was really important. So I went to Boise State University, graduated with a degree in biology, and those animals that I rescued, I still have to this day. So I still have the alligators. I still have the first albino Burmese python, which we're going to talk about on the show today. Yay. That I showed to Jay Leno at 14. I still have that snake. Like it blows <laughs> my mind. Like what? Like it's so cool that I'm able to – I still have these animals. And so um, that's what's you know 
unique as well. So I went to Boise State. Now, obviously, some people, some young listeners might be like Jay Leno, who um, now I, uh, you know, do mainly the Today Show and also Late Night with Seth Meyers. So that's kind of those Seth are my. <laughs> you like Seth is cool. I ran into him a, a few weeks ago, and I was like, it was yeah, it was really cool. Next time you see him, say hi for me. <laughs> well, you know what's funny? I was on um, I was on Andy Cohen's show, Watch What Happens Live. Have you guys ever heard of that show? I've heard of Andy Cohen. I don't think I know the show in particular. It's it's kind of this off the rails live late night TV show on Bravo, and it's really unpopular. People call in and this and that, and basically they have celebrity guests. And uh, I was on that show with a few animals, and the celebrity guest was Seth Meyers. And it was like, what are the odds? <laughs> I was telling my wife, like, out of all the celebrities, like they just had Celine Dion on the show, out of all the celebs that we could have been on with, it was with Seth and we reunited because I've been on Seth's show several times. So it was kind of like, oh, hey, how's it going? Like, <laughs> how are you <laughs> This seems like a destined friendship waiting to happen that I ship very hard now. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> this seems like a sign. That's got to be some sort of like sign that this is your person. This Isn't is your weird? fate. I, I've never said this publicly, but I also ran into him at Washington Square Park in New York City on a separate occasion last year. That's what I'm saying. Isn't that the weird I, yeah, that's a true story. Now, I didn't, though, by the way, I didn't go up to him and be like, hey, remember me? Because he's. I just wanted him to do his thing because he's a celebrity. But that is odd that I've ran into him quite a few times. Hmm. I think that that is nothing short of Providence. <laughs> you know, small world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know how many times I've run into Seth Meyers? <laughs> we need more data points for this. <laughs> Now, which one of us is the statistical outlier here? <laughs> That's got to be one like of us. <laughs> well, hold on. Let's increase our sample size. Christian, how many times have you run into Seth Meyers on the street? Also zero. All right, Corbin. It's not looking good for you. <laughs> yeah. And if the, for those of you wondering, he's a super nice guy. And he, like, remembered my name, which I'm sure he's <sighs> been cued. But he was really nice. And um, it was weird, though, because, you know, celebrities are just normal people. And it was just like, you know, you'd ask someone at work, like, how are you doing? Like, I was like, hey, you here to promote your Netflix special? He's like, yeah, you know, just had to, you know, doing that. It's just, you know, yeah, kind of crazy. That's heartwarming yep. to hear. I'm glad he's nice. <laughs> Super nice. Yep. Oh, that's good. Um, you know, I was I was just thinking about um Buddy. Buddy the Burmese Python, who I think was in one of the videos that I watched when I was younger. <laughs> yes, yes, I have two Buddy. Yeah, Buddy was on the Tonight Show as well, but yep, still have Buddy and Shere Khan. Oh, Shere Khan is the albino one, right? Correct, yep. Wow, they must be huge. They're huge. So Shere Khan is around 13 feet. Buddy's around 11 and a half, 12. And Shere Khan weighs, wow. the albino weighs around 100 pounds. Buddy's around 65-ish, 70. And he is a normal phase Burmese python, so he's brown and gold. And then Shere Khan, as you mentioned, was albino. That is enormous. <laughs> wow. Yeah, they're huge. Yeah, I, I love them, though. I've always loved the big snakes. So that's why when you reached out and you were like, what animals do you want to talk about? I'm like, well, what do I work with on a daily basis and what do I love? And I just thought, you guys already did alligators, which I was like, okay. <laughs> uh, and then I thought, oh, my goodness, Burmese pythons. Let's do it. Yeah. Now, these are related to ball pythons, yeah. right? Yeah. And so do you know the difference between a boa and a python? I don't. What is the difference? I love how I just asked you to off air. I'm like, please don't stump me. And then I'm just completely, that is no, so no, messed please up. Please ask me questions that I don't know the answers to. Cause that is like, 
you, you know, like I hate when you you get really excited to share something with somebody. You say, "Oh, do you know about this?" And they're like, "Yes." And you're like, "Okay, well, where is this conversation going?" Like, <laughs> well, I always tell people that uh, pythons have one more bone in their head, which is not really interesting. But uh, pythons lay eggs, and boas give live birth. Oh, huh. and a lot of people think. Like, oh, you know, boas are bigger or they say pythons are bigger. And in reality, the heaviest snake in the world is a boa, which is an anaconda. It's a type of boa. And the longest snake in the world is a reticulated python at around, they say like 33 feet. Some people say 36 feet, but it is a python. So um, interesting. The heaviest snake's a boa. The longest is a python. So it's just different types of size. You can't say (laughs) one's bigger than the other because it's just a different type of size. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. All of them absolute units, every single one. (laughs) (laughs) So where is the Burmese python native to? Where are they from? That's a great question. Florida. No, I'm kidding. That's a joke. (laughs) (laughs) I was about to be like, um. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, they're found in Florida. We can talk about that later, though. That was a joke because you guys are from Florida, right? Yeah, yes, we're yeah. in we're in Jacksonville, Florida, which is up in the north of Florida. It's about it's between Orlando and Georgia. And so we're not close to the area where Burmese pythons are happening, but you know, all of Florida, we all know about the pythons. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And like I said, we'll get into that. But Burmese pythons originally they're found in Southeast Asia in the tropics, rainforest, swamp habitat. And it turns out that that habitat is very similar, that warm, humid habitat. The Everglades are very, very similar to their habitat in Southeast Asia. And so that is why they've done so well in South Florida. But that's where they originally found. And for those of you wondering, well, how are they in Florida? It's just because people will get them as pets and they, you know, they really get big. I mean, uh, National Geographic says it can get up to like 23 feet long, weigh a few hundred pounds, be as thick around as a telephone pole, and they just get big and they need space and people just, you know, release them and they've um, they've done quite well. <laughs> well, for themselves. Yeah, for, not, not for, for the us, world. not great. <laughs> no, not at all. No. So um, before we talk uh, too much more about the sort of situation they're in in Florida. It, so is a is a ball python that a lot of people do have as pets? Is that within the same like family as them? Yep. I was oh, just oh, thinking oh. of like because I know that there's the Burmese pythons and then there's the ball pythons and the ball pythons are very commonly kept as pets. Yep. Yep. In, in the python family and ball pythons, by the way, make excellent pets. And I have two personally myself. I told you the one I rescued and they don't get very big, like three, four feet. And they are friendly and they're awesome. So mm-hmm. I'd highly recommend them as pets. Christian had a had a pet ball python when he was a kid. I did. I did for a little while. What was his name? Yeah, I was uh, just gonna <laughs> so this kind of this kind of dates it a little bit, but I named him Dumbledore. Dumbledore. Oh, nice. <laughs> I like that. You guys are Harry Potter fans. We're huge Harry Potter fans in this household, so I love that. You know what's funny? I have never seen or read a single shred what? of Harry Potter content. Oh, None of it. Gosh, I, you're killing everyone all around. Not a single one of it. But like, I have so many friends that are so into all of it that I know the entire plot and all the characters. It's like, <laughs> I get all the references and I got like nothing. Well, you know what kills me? Now, Christian, did you actually read the books? Oh, yeah. Yeah. This was this was shortly after the book series had had wrapped up and I was 
really into it. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I see. I think my wife is the biggest cheat because she just has watched the movies. And I'm telling her, like, babe, the books are so much better. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I was I feel like I didn't get into it at the right time. Like by the time I was exposed to them, I was like a teenager and too cool for it. So it was like I didn't I missed the boat on that one. We I love how we're just on a Harry Potter tangent now. We uh my fourth grade teacher read Harry Potter to us like in class every day. Isn't that the craziest Aww. thing? I think they'd awesome. probably get in trouble for that. That is pretty awesome that they would do that. But. <laughs> to, to reel us back in a little bit. Okay, so we've, we've had kind of an introduction to the Burmese python. Let's get into a little bit of our ratings. With, since now, I mean, we always say Christian and I are not experts, but like, I feel like this is a definitive rating now. Right. I feel like this is legitimate. <laughs> this is on the Burmese python's report card. This is going yes. home to its parents. So let's start off with effectiveness, which we define on our show as physical adaptations that an animal has that gives it an advantage in doing the things that it's trying to do. So Corbin, what would you give the Burmese python for effectiveness out of 10? I would do eight. Eight. Okay. Yeah. What does it get an eight for? These guys are eight. Well, I think they're really unique. Uh, obviously, in the wild, a normal phase Burmese python, they would blend in with like the leaf litter in the rainforest. So just imagine that or a swamp. So these are ambush predators, right? So they sit and wait for their food and they get lucky a lot. They're able to take down animals like monkeys, pigs, deer. I mean, they one of the few animals that could literally consume a deer a female can. So effectiveness, I think they are top predators. The only predators that they really have would be, well, I would say large animals, possibly like tigers or leopards, but we've really diminished a lot of those species humans have. So humans are really their main predator, but I think that they're great ambush predators. They're excellent swimmers. I know that firsthand. My Sher Khan loves to swim. He loves to like take a bath and he has a nice big tub and he even... I'll watch him even just flicker his tongue, which of course is, if you don't know this, that's how they smell, but they're able to, um, you know, smell with their tongue. So he just flicks his tongue underwater and like explores. It's the craziest thing. That's really cool. I bet that's fun to watch. It is. Yeah. One of my favorite things to watch snakes do is drink water. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> it's it's just so interesting to watch. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny cuz some people think they'd slurp it up with their tongue but they don't. They just it's kind of hard without me trying to look like a weirdo on the camera and <laughs> show you what they do, but it is really cool. It is it, it is cool. Um I just I do want to say though maybe I should take my rating down. I think 8's good, maybe a 7 because they don't have very good eyesight. Mm. Um but they they evolved to where they really don't need it because they have an excellent sense of smell. So I'm kind of torn, to be honest with you. Now, snakes do have ears, correct? So that's a great question. Snakes have no external ears. Okay. So they, so they could pick up vibrations, but they could not hear, let's say, like a conversation between you and me. So, yeah. So that's another thing. So they don't have, they don't, they can't like externally, they don't have the ears like we do. They don't have very good vision. So they rely on that sense of smell, but what really helps them around their mouth, they have heat sensing pits. So they almost see in like infrared to where they're able to pick up the movement of mammals and birds and they almost kind of see in red. So they're, they're really efficient at what they do. Okay. So 
this is another sort of situation where maybe what we might be perceiving as like drawbacks or negatives to them are like, they're not perceiving the things that we're perceiving because that's not what they need. Right. Like we might be thinking, Oh, like how trash is it that they can't hear? But they're like, (laughs) we don't need to hear. Like that's not important to us. You know how many presentations I've done with Shere Khan? I've done thousands over the 17 years I've had him. He's probably so happy he can't hear a darn thing I'm saying. Like, (laughs) (laughs) he's probably happier than a clam. Like, (laughs) does it like do do crowds bother the snakes at all? If they, I guess, if they can't hear or see very well, they they might not even know. So that's a great question. I do a lot of live shows with my personal animals. So. I live in, in Idaho, so around the Treasure Valley area, like around Boise, Idaho, we visit a lot of schools, libraries, special events, a lot of speaking engagements with the animals. And so my animals are used to that. So crowds really don't bother him. And what's really interesting is I think they're just as enriching for him as they are for the people who meet him, which I know hmm. it sounds crazy, but when he's stretched out in the grass and he is just doing his thing, he's picking up smells, imagine how enriching that is. Instead of being in like a tank all day, you know what I mean? And it, his, yeah. he's not even in a tank. They don't even make tanks that big. He's in a custom enclosure, but <laughs> um, no, really though, like it's really enriching. And so um, I, I, I don't know if he enjoys it, but I think it would be enriching for him. And I, I don't sure. think it bothers him because I'm able to, when you work with these animals for so long, you know, when they're stressed, you know, if you know, they know when they start hissing or they start moving fast, it's like, okay, back off. You know, they want to be left alone. So I'm a pretty good judge of that. Sure. Now you said he's what, 20, 20 something years old? Yeah, 20 something years. Goodness. Is that about on par with how long they live in the wild? Or do they live longer or not as long as that? I I would say it is so hard these days, Ellen, just to find a large Burmese python like that in the wild. Because, I mean, obviously they're out there, but people, the locals kill them on site. People just hate snakes all around the world. They also kill them for their skins, which are used for a variety, you know, of different boots and purses and belts and just disgusting things that no one should ever purchase. And so um, in the wild, they would live, I mean, I'd say at least 20 tops in captivity up, you know, in their late 20s and their 30s. Typically, they say the longer the snake or the bigger the snake, the um, the longer the lifespan, the smaller the snake, the shorter the lifespan. Hmm. That makes sense. They, yeah. got, they got more to grow. <laughs> Right, but I'm at odds. My ball python, I tell he's late 20s in his 30s that I still rescue when I was 12. And so he's defying all the odds. So we're learning <laughs> stuff every day. That ball python is older than me. <laughs> yes. Wait, how old are you? Oh, that's so rude to ask on air. How old are you? <laughs> I'm, about to, I'm about to turn 25. <laughs> 25. Oh my gosh. You guys are kidding. I'm 30. I feel so old. <laughs> <laughs> We're little babies. <laughs> Christian would be mad at me for saying that. Yeah, I'm I'm a little older than Ellen at, at uh, 28. Yeah, but... he's an old man. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. So I, I wanted to also talk about their ingenuity. So for their ingenuity, we define ingenuity as behavioral adaptations that an animal has. So these could be clever things that it do. So they could be hunting strategies or tool use or communication or just anything that they do that is a little bit more clever. So in what would you give them for ingenuity? Out of 10? Ooh, oh, six or seven. And I six or sorry, seven. I kind of I kind of put the ambush on the other question you asked me, but they're great ambush predators. 
Um, there have been documentation of them actually like protecting the eggs, which is really unusual for reptiles. I mean, I know crocodiles and crocodilians do it and some snakes do it like King Cobras do it, but for them to actually guard the eggs is interesting. And the female will sometimes wrap around the eggs and kind of shuffle and kind of incubate them. So that's mm-hmm. interesting to me. So I, I love mean, that. You know, yeah. We stand good parents on this show. <laughs> we love good parenting techniques. <laughs> yeah. and, and and I tell people during my shows, I always make this joke, like, how many of you are parents? And then, you know, parents raise their hands. I'm like, how many of you guys are good parents? And it's so funny because some people are like, meh, maybe not so much. But <laughs> The reason why I ask that is because a lot of reptiles, they evolve to where they just, um, you know, they leave the offspring, the offspring hatch or they're, you know, they're um, had, you know, the alive birth and the, the animals are able to fend for themselves. And there's not a lot of parental care in the reptile department. And uh, it is interesting that some snakes show it. It's not to the degree of like a mammal or something, but it's interesting that sometimes they will guard the eggs and they will stay with the eggs sometimes. So anyway. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. I think that's because I, I feel like taking care of your young is a good evolutionary, like on the long term scale, that's going to give you an advantage, right? If your babies aren't dying off at a rapid rate. True. Although that's probably why they've caused, <laughs> why they've really taken foot in South Florida <laughs> so much. And I do want to say it is very rare. I think like one in a hundred will actually survive to become like an adult Burmese python because they're eaten by almost any and everything. Birds, you know, raccoons, other mammals, even other reptiles, uh, crocodilians, alligators, of course, in Florida. So, um, yeah. So it, it is a tough life to be a snake. I did. I didn't think to double check this to see if it was a Burmese python, but have you seen the video of the big giant, looks like an albino or maybe like a light yellow colored snake that, climbs on top of the door handle and opens the door handle with its body and pushes the door open and like falls on the ground. Have you seen this video? I don't, I think that, I don't know if I've seen that one. It may be an albino reticulated Python or a Burmese Python. It's one of those two closely related. Yeah. I mean an enormous snake, but the snake it's a, it's a video shot from the, closed side of the door so all you see is the door swing open and there's a snake that has perched like the front half of its body on top of the handle of the door and the door swings open and then as soon as it's open the snake just kind of like tumbles off and falls onto the ground and slithers off and so i was like can snakes open doors (laughs) hey that's from jurassic park no it's not oh i love jurassic park (laughs) no this is not a clever girl this was just a snake that opened a door and i was thinking i was like is that a freak accident is that just something that like when our dog disassembled her baby gate like was that just a freak accident or are they smart no, see, I would love to tell you that they're the most intelligent reptiles and in, in the world, but they're not. Um, they're pretty <laughs> primitive, meaning they're very, um, uh, they're very simple-minded creatures. I think I've read somewhere that their brains are about the size of a lima bean, but oh. they're efficient. <laughs> yeah, I mean. You know, but they're efficient in how they have to be. I mean, they've, you know, they're able to survive. They have some great um, adaptations. But no, like, I don't think I walk into the animal house. I don't think Shere Khan's like, oh, look, there's Corbin. <laughs> like, 
I'm sure maybe he, you know, he, he recognizes being picked up this and that, but I don't think that they're to the point where it's like, Oh, that's Corbin. Um, but they are intelligent to the fact where when it's feeding time and they know, cause they can smell, they know there's food and they know they're getting ready to eat. So, um, but they're not intelligent. Let's say, you know, I work with alligators on a daily basis and those animals are so smart. Um, alligators are smart. Iguanas are smart. Monitor lizards are smart. Um, they can differentiate between people, but I think the snakes are a little more, um, not as, I don't know. I don't want to say slow. That's rude. I think, I think this <laughs> is on brand for the snake because the snake has throughout evolution, I think really trimmed the fat and identified its core needs and really done away with everything outside of that. They're like <laughs> smarts don't need them. Legs don't need them. Get rid of all of it. We, <laughs> we've got, we, we will eat things and we'll make babies and we need nothing that is anything outside of that. <laughs> do, do, do we need to chew? Nah. <laughs> no, <laughs> just swallow it. No chewing. You just swallow it. And that's it. <laughs> Okay, so I was going to say, I'm so happy you mentioned they don't have legs, which they don't, but you can actually still see the little remnants of legs on Shere Khan. On my Burmese python, they have these little spurs where their legs would have been, and all large pythons like that have them. It's really amazing. Is this something that you can see by looking at the snake, or is this something that's just on an x-ray? Underneath the tail, you can, they're like little claws. Vestigial, Vestigial limbs, look it up. Wow. Really yeah, I was I was just gonna say that I've I've heard of that, but I didn't know that they that it was something that you could like see on them. Yep, they're like these little claws, and the males will use those little claws to entice the lady snakes and they'll wrap their tails around each other. And I know this is a kid's show, but copulation <laughs> can happen for days. So I mean something to look up to. <laughs> That's how Christian flirts with me. <laughs> like T Rex arms. <laughs> T Rex arms, yeah. That's what it is. I mean, I, I think that snakes have just kind of streamlined their process. They're they've done away with anything unnecessary, and I can respect that (laughs) well our last category for our ratings is aesthetics so what do you give the burmese python for aesthetics oh 12 plus can i give it a 12 come on (laughs) it's unprecedented (laughs) okay 10 they're beautiful i mean they They are are. beautiful snakes you were talking about how there's the albinos and then there's a what did you call them the the uh, just, just the normal phase, normal, normal, normal phase, which is brown and gold. And interestingly, albinos, which I'm sure you two know, that's just a genetic mutation, right? But they are born out in the wild. It's not just in captivity, but they're eaten right away because they stick out like a sore thumb. You know, they, they don't, they lack the camouflage and they're picked up by, you know, birds and mammals and other predators. But uh, aesthetic-wise, I think the albinos are beautiful. The normal phase are just beautiful. Um, I just think they're really pretty python. They are. Is is the albino Burmese python similar to how in the white tiger, like it's a recessive gene that has been produced by inbreeding? Or is it more natural than that? It is more natural, and it is two recessive genes, but it's different because the white tigers is a whole different can of worms. Um, but it is. It's two, uh, I believe, two recessive genes that cause that albino. I think that's really interesting because it's just something that it's something that really kind of puts them at a higher risk when they're born with it. Yeah. 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 And mind you, in captivity, though, it puts them in more of like a – 
high demand. And um, and, and I, I might want to add that, you know, even though I have these animals, Shere Khan and Buddy are both rescues. And so uh, Shere Khan was found living in someone's apartment in Boise. His owners abandoned him in the apartment, left him to die. He has oh. scars. Yeah, he has scars going down his back where he was trying to go underneath the door. He was skin and bones when I got him. Buddy was rescued after uh, someone lit their house on fire uh, purposely and tried to cover up a crime. Um, wow. Yeah, so I, I got the snake on the podcast, we- <laughs> right? Well, I can normally I can't tell the full story because it's not really a kid friendly story with Buddy, but Poor um, baby, yeah. So anyway, but so um, a big thing you know when we do show these animals, we talk about being a responsible pet owner, and uh, I would say like you know even though I have them as pets, I'd recommend something a little easier like a ball python because these are big snakes, or some of the largest in the world, and they can be dangerous. So. I'm just I'm just kind of putting it out there because um, I am raving at how awesome they are, but I am experienced and they're only for experienced people who, uh, you know, who are really into reptiles. Yeah. Yeah. I used to work at a pet store yeah. and the ball pythons were absolutely my favorite reptile in the whole store because they were just so chill and they would just let you just you'd pick them up and you could put them on your shoulder and they'd sit there all day long and they liked it because it was warm on your shoulder. <laughs> and, you know, like if you're if you're you know, in Florida, it's warm everywhere all the time forever. But they, it was like, they would just, they would just chill right there on your shoulder. They'd kind of do that thing where they kind of melt onto you. They just like plop right yeah. down and <laughs> yep. chill little dudes. They are. And I have to say, as I just said, they don't make good pets. Burmese pythons out of the big snakes that people keep as pets are the most docile, the most calm. So that's why they, for, they've always been popular pets because they typically have pretty nice dispositions and they're very friendly compared to something like, you know, I've had rock pythons, which are really nasty, reticulated pythons, which are edgy. The Burmese pythons are really friendly, big snakes. And that's why people get them. And that's why you see them a lot in educational reptile shows and see them on TV and stuff like that. That makes sense. Maybe it's arrogance. Maybe they know. They're like, <laughs> yeah, I'm the best. You can't do anything to me. What are you going to do? I can take you down easy. Like, maybe they're just not scared of you. <laughs> Although, when, when, when I got my ball python, though, I was, I was kind of on my toes from day one. Because when I was picking out a pet, I asked the, the, the person at the pet store, like, hey, will, will this bite me? And what they said, I'll, I'll always remember. And they said... Anything with a mouth can bite you. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) As we learned, except for anteaters. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Poor anteaters. Those are cool, by the way. I love anteaters. (laughs) We talked about tamanduas way back when. Uh We talked about a giant anteater, but I love them. Yeah. (laughs) So that wraps up aesthetics. Uh, I would like to kind of wrap up with some miscellaneous information that didn't fit above. I, you said not to stump you. I'm not going to ask you if you know the IUCN uh, red list conservation status of the Burmese python. Oh, um, I, do. I just looked it oh. up, actually. Excellent. Perfect. <laughs> yes, that is something I do know. Um, they are listed as vulnerable right now. That's surprising. Yeah, and that was according to National Geographic. So I'm going to take them as a pretty a, a pretty credible source, but they are oh, listed yeah, as, as vulnerable. But I'm wondering when they were last assessed, which I do not know. Yeah, so I I had read something earlier as we were getting ready to talk about Burmese pythons. You know, I I was looking up how they're doing in the world and what their situation looks like. And what's funny is that we're here in in Florida and 
they're known as just such a persistent invasive predator here that have just been multiplying rapidly. Like their populations are just growing and growing and growing and they're getting into new areas and stuff. But then in the part of the world that they're actually native to, it's the opposite. Their numbers are struggling. Like they're not doing well at all. And the the article that I read said that that was because people were taking them out of their habitat as pets, like for, for the pet trade. Yeah, that and that's why I said earlier, just it's so hard these days to find a big snake like that because people, the locals will kill them um, out of fear and also for the skin trade that, you know, the, 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 the pet trade. So they have a lot of factors definitely going against them. And so in, in Florida, you know, it's, it's the opposite how they've been brought in unnaturally and now they're preying on a lot of our native species, you know, mm-hmm. like we have a lot of animals here that don't necessarily know how to evade a giant python like that because <laughs> we don't have them, right? We don't have any sort of like comparable ambush python like that no. here. So the, the prey animals here don't know how to escape from it. But then they're also competing with our native predators. Like we've got like the indigo snake that they're like a direct competitor for. And the indigo snake is is struggling really badly because the Burmese python they're bigger and badder, right? Like they're they're out competing. Mm-hmm. Invasive species really are just such a problem. Um, they just, I mean, everything. I know this sounds. I mean, every you know, the indigo snake's a great example, but even things like the what is it like the endangered Key Largo rat. And I know that people are like, oh, it's a rat, but it's like, these are all animals that are important. They're all part of this ecosystem and they all serve a function. And once you start taking them out, there's some really detrimental effects. And so they're having a hard time right now. And um, I don't think they'll ever be able to get them out of Florida. I mean, that's just, that's so depressing for me to say, but they're, they're so hard to find. They blend in and, you know, even that cold snap, it killed a lot of them, but they're still in Florida. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that's why they don't make it as far North as we are. Cause we're up closer to Georgia and it freezes here, but down in the part of Florida that they live in, the, it, it never freezes the swamp. Yeah. Like it, it, it doesn't freeze ever. So they're able to get by down there. Like we talked about the Koki, um, back a few episodes ago, um, little frog from Puerto Rico that can't survive very well up where we live because it freezes and they can't survive a freeze. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. like they're yeah. they're limited by that, but unfortunately, Florida, since it does have that, like it's there's a lot of variety here. So you have the swamps way down south, and then in the middle, you've got kind of more just like flat. What would you call it? Like grassy, like marshland, sort of. Yeah. And yeah. it is just like perfect for so many invasives. It's just like a free for all. Yeah, I uh, I had a gal on my podcast. I guess I should mention that I, I I host a podcast, Animals to the Max. But I have I had a gal on, and she was talking about how Florida is the only place in the world where you could see an alligator, a crocodile, and a caiman in in the same place. And I thought, oh my gosh, I mean, I totally forgot about the caiman and. And I, you just brought something up. Burmese pythons aren't the only invasive snakes. You guys have boa constrictors that are invasive down there. Green iguanas. Oh, yeah. I mean, like the list just goes on of, you know, chameleons. I mean, my goodness, that's like a whole episode in itself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Our uh, So Florida Fish and Wildlife Commission, actually, so they, I mean, they encourage people to kind of address them. Like if you see a Burmese python in the wild in Florida, you're supposed to alert your Fish and Wildlife Commission if you see one and they can remove it. But I, I want to say, don't they even have like 
organized tournaments like kind of like for the lionfish yeah how they have the tournaments where like you're supposed to go like bag them and tag them and bring them in and turn them in and yeah with with the lionfish uh, i think they're they're kind of tasty too <laughs> oh yeah that's true with the lionfish you're you're supposed to eat them right yeah, you're supposed I mean, to be eating them i mean you have to be careful but yeah yeah, yeah. i don't think anyone's eating burmese pythons i'm sure I there think, are people but <laughs> oh yeah there i think they just had a tournament like two days ago yeah they have tournaments but a lot of people and this is just a few years ago, but they don't catch a lot of them because they're great. They're efficient. <laughs> they're camouflage. You know, they, they're hard to find. And Florida's a perfect habitat. So, um, As if you needed one more reason to avoid Florida at all costs. <laughs> I know all the old people, the driving and the pythons. <laughs> <laughs> Before we really like finish up, I wanted to kind of open the floor for any favorite personal experiences or interesting stories you might have about your precious babies, your Burmese pythons. Oh, um, oh my gosh. I think so many times, I think when one of my tonight show appearances I was on was Samuel L. Jackson and he had just done snakes on a plane. Oh no. Boy. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. The appearance is on YouTube and I had Sher Khan and you'll have to check it out. And I was 17 years old and it was one of those where it was just like sometimes in TV, you just have these segments that are just like magic. And that was just just magic. I had my iguana on Sam's lap. I had brought out this big, you know, Shere Khan, my Burmese python. And then, uh, you know, I gave I believe I gave Sam like a, a portion of Shere Khan. And then I put the rest of Shere Khan on Jay Leno's desk. And then Shere Khan decided to go down down the desk in between Jay's legs and the audience just <laughs> cracked up and it was just, you can watch it. It's like, that's magic. I mean, and you know, and, and I, I said something like, Oh, he likes you. And it was just like, Oh, it was just like, you, you can't plan for stuff like that. So that's <laughs> TV wise. That's something that, that sticks out. Um, awesome. That's to me, delightful. <laughs> but Every day when I work with them, like when I have to clean their enclosure, I have to, you know, take them out and they have a custom built enclosure because they just don't make cages that big for these guys. But, um, every day, you know, working with them and I, um, left them alone for five minutes and he was, uh, anyway, Shere Khan was getting into stuff, knocking over plants, you know, scurrying up the window, <laughs> like, you know, tried to get inside the snapping turtle pond. Like this is a day in the life oh, of working no. with animals. So it's just, you know. Oh, Snake, you don't want to go in there. No, 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 no. (laughs) You're going to get snipped. (laughs) No, I think the snapping turtle will probably leave him alone. Like, I'm good. (laughs) What is this big snake? (laughs) See, I don't want none of that. That's okay. I'll pass. Hard pass on that one. (laughs) Yeah. Just like out of curiosity. um, So I've never had a pet snake. What do you feed your Burmese pythons and how often? That's a great question. So we feed them every three to four weeks. Um, so like basically like once a month they're, you know, these guys are cold blooded. They don't require, um, a lot of food like we do. So they're able to basically sustain on, you know, just, uh, basically a meal a month. So they eat uh, pre-killed frozen thawed rabbits. Um, they also eat Guinea pigs and, uh, stillborn pigs. Interestingly, um, we used to hmm. feed them as well. We had a, yeah, so we, we live out in the country and there's a, there's a local pig farm and they will donate the stillborn pigs that are basically they're born and they're already dead. And they'll, instead of tossing them, they'll recycle them and we happily take them and our alligators eat them and the pythons love them. Wow. That's I cool. had never thought of that. 
But yep. that is an interesting collaborative opportunity. That is very innovative. <laughs> right? <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I because, you know, coming from only ever having had, like, mammal pets that needed to be fed every, you know, multiple times per day, when I started working there and taking care of reptiles, it just astonished me how long they could go without eating. That was so shocking to me. I was like, I don't have to feed this every day? This is crazy. <laughs> They're so easy to care for. I mean, really, though. I mean, you only, you know, they only poop. I mean, they don't poop very often, as you can imagine, usually like once a week. And they don't stink. You just have to make sure you clean up after them. But they're pretty, uh, you know, they're, I mean, for instance, I take care of like iguanas, which are everyday tortoises every day, but their snakes are pretty easy. Um, okay, well, so I think that that kind of wraps things up for the Burmese Python. Let's finish up by talking about what you've been working on. Like, talk to us a little bit about Animals to the Max. Awesome. Animals to the Max. Uh, it, so it's a podcast. I absolutely love it. It's a podcast about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. And for me, I just love talking to animal people. And I am so fascinated with people's dream jobs of working with animals. Like, you trek polar bears, like what is that like? Or you train tigers, tell me what that's like. Or you're a famous Animal Planet TV star, how did you get that job? Like seriously, I ask the questions that I think a lot of people want to ask because there's a lot of people who want to work with animals and it's, as you, you two know, it's a really competitive field. So I like that behind the scenes, the dirt, the grime of like, how did you get your start? Take me your backstory. What hoops did you have to jump through to get your dream job? And then we learn about animals in the meantime. And so we have a bunch of fun guests and um, we just hit our, I think we're over a hundred episodes, which is awesome. We're in season three and I just love it. And it's available on all podcasting platforms, animals to the max. That's awesome. I, I actually was listening to it in the car with my son the other day. Because, you know, I'm, I'm always excited to find like safe for work podcasts that I can have on in the car with my kid. And and he really enjoyed it. So he was very charmed. Oh, really? By it. Well, what episode did you listen to? Hopefully not the Keeper Chat one. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I love them. And that is a like after I've dropped him off at school and he's already <laughs> like he's already at school and I'm in the car by myself. That's when Keeper Chat comes on. Oh, <laughs> Keeper Chat is good. Did you listen to when I had them on my show? It was. Have you heard listen to the episode yet? I haven't I haven't turned that one on yet because that's one of the ones that I'm like my time for not safe for work podcasts is so limited. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, it is so much fun. That we had too much fun on that one. That was awesome. I t- they're very funny. Fun. Oh, they're hilarious. I remember you'll have to listen to it, but at the end I was like, Where'd you like to go? And I think what does she say? Oh, fun. I was like, I like to go to Indonesia. And I said, what did you say? And she's like, Sorry, I've had like a bottle of wine during this whole interview. And she it's just like <laughs> Anyway, I just died laughing. So you know that's that's super fun. Yeah, they're a adult fun podcast. I'm I'm always excited to find educational material that I can share with because I, I have a kid of my own, right? And and he, I don't think he's necessarily as like interested in animals and nature as I am. But I, he's a he's a pleaser, so he knows that I'm interested in it. So he's like, "Oh, let's listen to that show that you like about animals." So. Oh, well, that's so I nice. Know. Thank you, for, thank you for listening. And if he is a fan, uh, do you guys watch PBS with him? We have PBS. Yeah, we we have, we PBS. have PBS. Yeah, yeah. doesn't yeah, yeah. doesn't 
I think everyone has PBS. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we have like, we're those like cable cutters, right? Where we like only use oh. streaming services. So I'm like, do we have PBS? <laughs> Got it. Well, no, I had uh, Dr. Scott, the famous dinosaur PBS guy and kids love him. I had him on my show. Season one, you have to let your son listen to it. I think he'll like that. If he knows oh, Dr. Scott. Amazing. Super cool. Yeah. I'm I'm glad that you make space in your definition of animals for dinosaurs. Oh, that <laughs> and also Christian, you might like this, but I don't know why I said that because you have a beard. But we did an episode on Sasquatch. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's on brand. That's okay. The, the beard kind of invites the comparison. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can think of some other comparisons. You're also a little bit reclusive and quiet and shy. Um, and... No, no one's ever taken a picture of me that wasn't blurry. <laughs> <laughs> you never let me take pictures of you. So that's one. I can definitely see some comparisons. <laughs> You'll love it. It's with Dr. Jeff Meldrum, the leading Sasquatch expert. It's really good. I think you guys would like it. Oh, that would be really fun. I love cryptids, too. I'm always like, because, you know, people are always asking us, like, you should talk about extinct animals, like animals that aren't around anymore. And I'm like, wouldn't they just get zeros and everything? Aww. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but sometimes it wasn't their fault. It wasn't their fault. I know we talked about um we talked about the dingo recently and that led me to oh. the story of the downfall of the thylacine. So oh. that was a sad story. I think you you know that's so weird when I first started listening to podcasts I was I just googled the Tasmanian tiger cuz I just wanted to learn I love cryptids cryptids as well and I came across the strange animals podcast but there's not a lot of in podcasts about them you guys should really do one. I would love to. I think that would be really cool. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. Um, so where can people who have now listened to this and have now fallen deeply in love with you, like Seth Meyers, <laughs> um, where can they find you like on social media and stuff? That's awesome. Thank you. That Seth Meyers thing is kind of weird, actually. I just realized that is like crazy, by the way. Thank you for pointing <laughs> There's nothing out weird me. about love. <laughs> I know, but it is very... Hold on. New York is home to like eight to 10 million people just in Manhattan, 30 million around. What are the odds running randomly? Anyway, so. Right. <laughs> yeah, like in a park. Wow, crazy. Okay, so total rabbit That's hole a really there. romantic setting. It is a romantic setting. It is. Yeah. But I just, yeah, I just had to leave him alone. I had to give him a space. It's uh, the one that got away. <laughs> the one that got away. Cue the music, the Katy Perry track. So. Um, how people can find me. They can find me all over on Instagram at Corbin Maxi, C-O-R-B-I-N, Maxi, M-A-X-E-Y, not I, and uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I'm also now on TikTok, which is what all the Whoa. cool kids are. Yeah. You're a true Gen Z now. <laughs> I can't even believe it. I like asked my wife, I was like, am I really putting this crap out there? And anyway, but I'm having <laughs> so much fun with it. And it's just like, Oh, I'm just anyway, I'm I'm having fun. So I I'm need also, to know if you have videos of alligators lip syncing to Kesha. Oh my god, that would go viral. <laughs> that would go viral. Oh my gosh. That if is that's so not fun. what you're using your TikTok account for, then so, you need to rebrand. I need to rebrand. You should take <laughs> me. It's just hard to get close to them because I don't want to lose my hand. So it's like <laughs> But uh that's a really good idea. I just started a couple days ago on TikTok, but we have a couple videos up. Um, I'm going to do a video pretty soon, actually, tomorrow with one of the alligators eating. So, 
Oh, that's really cool. Maybe I should install TikTok. <laughs> I'm such a bad Gen you Z. You should. <laughs> Do it. I know. You just have to jump on the bandwagon. But I was going to say, you could go on my Instagram. If you want to see Sher Khan or Buddy the Burmese Pythons, you could check videos out there or footage. But even watch our alligators eat. Like we fed our uh, American alligator, Sonny. He's 10 and a half feet. We fed him a whole turkey for Thanksgiving, which was uh-huh. awesome. Like not a live turkey, but like a whole turkey and he loved it and we have that on my igtv as well so wow that's so festive (laughs) and also brutal (laughs) i know people were it's fun because some people i guess were bothered by it but it's like this is the same bird like it was a store-bought turkey you know what i mean that people were eating for thanksgiving it's just you know anyway it wasn't like alive and had feathers or anything like that it's a frozen thawed turkey so and honestly i mean the snake gets a meal so like, or alligator. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got snakes on the brain. Sorry. First we got snakes on a plane. Now I got snakes on my brain. Uh. Oh my gosh. You guys have seen snakes on a plane, right? Yes. And I <laughs> made my dad watch it the day before we got on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> I made my dad watch it with me, and it was the day before we were supposed to get on a plane to go up to Michigan. <laughs> Oh my God, that's so awesome. That that movie was so awkward. I had to watch that when I was 15 with a reporter from our local newspaper. And it like for those of you listening, if you haven't seen it, it's really inappropriate. I don't know if you remember the opening scene, but I remember it was one of those like I'm just like this like awkward 15 year old like, oh, this is like really, you know what I mean? Awkward. It was like the naked lady and the snake was biting her. And I'm like by this random reporter like, uh, it was anyway. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's like the worst possible situation to be watching this movie in. It's like me watching an inappropriate movie with my parents. Like that's how I felt. Now, were there Burmese pythons on the plane in the movie? I think so. I'm pretty sure. Although I read in my Reptiles magazine, which is like my Bible, that uh, Sam Jackson in his contract, this is what they said, had it to where he did not want to work with any live snakes. They were all CGI. So whenever you saw a live one. But then that contradicted it because he had no problem with Shere Khan when I met him in person. So just interesting kind of. Yeah, I would think it would be incredibly counterintuitive for him to accept a role on in a movie titled Snakes on a Plane if he didn't want to work with snakes on a plane. <laughs> right? Well, that's what Reptiles Magazine said, and you never know what the magazines say, but he was a really nice guy, and he was into the animals. I mean, I don't know, so you have to check it out. Let me know what you- <laughs> he, he, was, he was just so deep in character. <laughs> <laughs> that he had sworn enmity against all snakes. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's method acting really he's like i'll do the snakes movie i ain't working with no snakes though (laughs) it's funny you have to check that out on youtube and also i'm on youtube but i had my iguana scooter and anyway scooter like his nail got stuck in sam's like expensive jacket and sam's like hey get the nail to my jacket man like it was so funny (laughs) you have to watch it it's pretty funny like he's like what in the world's going on here so oh my gosh that's so delightful i'm so thrilled and i'm and i'm happy to know that i'm now that many degrees of separation fewer to samuel l jackson and also your future husband seth myers (laughs) <laughs> I'm already taken, unfortunately. So, <laughs> no, Seth's the guy, and I'm I, I'm a regular. Well, I'm, I I appear on his show, so um, yeah. So we have some fun stuff in the works planned for that. 
That's awesome. Well, we have been talking for about a thousand years and I have taken up all of your time. I'm going to let you sign off here, but thank you so much for spending this time with us. I've learned so much about Burmese pythons and we've had so much fun. Thank you so much for having me on. I'd love to come back on and talk about another animal. Maybe I'd see Christian. I don't know. We'll see. Oh, that's true. Yeah, we're, we're on a Skype call, and you've been looking at me this whole time, so we'll have to trade off, and, and next time you look at Christian, he's much more pleasant to look at, I promise. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Christian, take a screenshot. You have to watch my – or not watch, but listen to my Sasquatch episode. That'd be really funny. I, w- I will. I will. <laughs> For sure. And then we'll hold up, like, a picture of Christian and a picture of Sasquatch side by side, and then <laughs> And then we'll be like, have you ever seen Christian Weatherford and Sasquatch in the same room at the same time? <laughs> I think not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, thank you so much. And it honestly is an honor that you trusted me trusted me to be your first guest. Seriously, like this could have like went, you know, this went really well. So I'm so happy. I'm so thrilled. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Corbin. Uh- Yeah. And thank you for putting out good content. Please continue to do that as well, because I know it's a lot of work that goes into these episodes and we all enjoy it in the animal podcast community. So thank you. Yay. I have been so blessed. Y'all are really wonderful. I have really enjoyed just finding this awesome community of so many people who are really passionate about communicating and and helping educate people on, on not only the wildlife, but like what you can do to help them and what is good for them and what is not good for them and like what are actionable items that we can take as just regular people. So that, that's just been, I think that the communication side of animal, like zoology and animal sciences and stuff is just very, it's, it's a really wonderful community to be in. It is. And everyone supports each other. We all go on each other's shows. And I just, I, I really love it. Cause I mean, we're not, we're all trying to raise awareness. We all have the same message, but we all put our fun little twist on it. That's what I like about it. So I appreciate it. I feel like this is the start of a new era for just the zoo of us. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're our, you're our first guest. Um, we okay. have some more lined up for, for the coming weeks and months and stuff. So hopefully this is going to be like the start of a new thing. Good luck. Now, I'll tell you what. When my first guest was like someone I went to college with, but a year after that, I had on Jack Hanna on my show, which was like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> what am I doing here? Like, anyway, so I wish you guys, I mean, if you guys could have one dream guest, who would it be? Um... David Attenborough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good luck getting a hold of him. <laughs> the man's hard to get a hold of. <laughs> you said dream guest. I'm shooting my shot. There you go. Dream guest. Put it out there. Anything's possible. Seriously. I'm, I'm going to put the energy guys. out in the universe and just let it come back to me. <laughs> Very good. There you go. <laughs> All right, Corbin. We appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for taking this time with us. Thank you so much. Have a great night, you guys. I look forward to chatting with you guys in the future. Thanks. You too. Thank you. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.